When the pressures of everyday life push the buttons of our inescapable human frailties, it's time to press pause, to be still, to breathe, and to look objectively at what is happening to ourselves and those about us. In this moment with Toby C. Helping people to recover from emotional, physical, and spiritual pain. Now, here's Toby C. Hey, friend. It's me. It's your friend, Toby. I'm back. Yeah. Thanks for joining me for another hour of a, of a concept show. A concept show uh, that involves recovery. Recovery from drug and alcohol abuse. Recovery from codependency. Recovery from compulsive shopping, recovery from whatever you're suffering from. But uh, that's the nature of, of our show. It's a concept show. And one of the first concepts is that there's nothing special about me, your host, Toby C. But the name of the show is called In This Moment. And the concept is just to, to calm you and to calm me down and to remember to stay anchored in the present moment and stop being pissed off about the past that we really can't do anything about now except punish those who, who may be suffering themselves or freaking out about the future, you know, and being paralyzed with fear about losing something that we have or, or not uh, achieving and gaining something that we desire. So how peaceful, what a nice concept to stay in the present moment. And, um, and it's a nice place to be. It's a place where people can recover, recover from suffering. And that's, uh, that's the nature of our show, is to talk about suffering. Suffering from what? How about suffering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body? Yeah, something that simple. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, recovery, obviously. Uh, we are going to glean a little information and some maybe nuggets of timeless and universal wisdom from a, uh, a recovery program called the 12-step uh, method of recovery. And... Um, Please don't be closed-minded if you've had a bad experience with any of the 12-step meetings or the movements or the organizations. Just keep an open mind. The 12-step method uh, does not have a monopoly on God, although some people in that, in that uh, movement might want to think so. But, uh, hey, let's give everybody a break, can we? Um, no, the 12-step method is, uh, is just one of many different movements whereby somebody might be able to conceive of a power greater than themselves. Yeah, to overcome our bondage of self, if you will. Yeah, can you relate to that? Can you relate to having a bondage of self? Can you uh, can you relate to to being in your own personal prison of insecurities and um, fears and anger and envy and shame? Uh, the list goes on and on, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, we're going to be talking about overcoming our identity crisis today. Yeah. Or actually in this hour, we're going to be talking about that. And um, it's real simple before I, before I move on. Um, I'm just going to tell you, we're going to be um, illuminating the problem, the problem with our identity and our identities that we carry through our lives and that we, that we create uh, the moment we're where we come out of the womb and we continue to develop or deteriorate our identity depending on, on what path we take for the rest of our life. And many of us end up with something called an identity crisis, and many of us end up in a place called recovery, yeah. And many of us uh, use many different coping school tools in order to cope 
with our identity crisis. So what a wonderful topic about overcoming our identity crisis, overcoming the bondage of self, overcoming selfish self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles, our problems, driven by a hundred forms of fear. Yeah. We step on the toes of our fellows and... Um, and uh, seemingly without provocation, um, they retaliate and people hurt us. And we don't know why. We, a lot of us, like yours truly, Toby, see, you know, we kind of stagger through life trying to uh, figure out why I couldn't get along with people. Hmm? Does that sound familiar? Why am I constantly uh, in judgment of people? Why am I constantly in fear of people? Why can't I look at somebody who's standing in front of me and say, what's right with this person, instead of constantly saying, what's wrong with this person, right? It's all part of our identity crisis. And, you know, page 417 of that book, um, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, one of my favorite quotes is, um, it's about the problem. And it talks about, uh, when I stopped living in the problem, and started living in the answer, the problem went away. Didn't become minimized or deflected. <laughs> it went away. So we're going to be talking about uh, how to make this problem of our identity crisis go away. But I'll tell you, you can't recover from something unless you know what you're recovering from. So in our second segment of this show, we're going to be talking about the problem and the problems that selfish self-centeredness and our, I, and our identification um, with life and the people around us really causes problems. Can you dig that? Yeah. Uh, a couple of highlights. I'm just coming to you live recorded from uh, Dead Rat Studios in lovely Palm Springs, California. And it's a long story why it's called Dead Rat Studios, but it's the desert and it's a studio and it's hot and all kinds of strange, interesting things happen. Um, but uh, it's life. It's part of the ecosystem. I think rodents and reptiles are just part of the, the ecosystem here in the desert, and we have to patch its acceptance, yeah? <laughs> How about that? Uh, take a deep breath. So who are we going to go ahead and tailor our show to? Hey, don't forget, we might be talking about alcoholism and alcohol abuse or drug abuse, um, but I'm telling you, this show is tailored to anybody, anybody, maybe you, maybe somebody that you know um, who's suffering and who's really in a, in a tight spot. And they don't know why they're suffering. And, um, and you know what? You don't need to know why you're suffering. If you're isolated and you're lonely and you're desperate and you're on the verge of homicide or suicide and you're tired of having your candlelight dinner for one with a gun, you know, then it's time to emerge from this loneliness. And I start off every show by telling you and me and repeating to myself um, one universal truth that, uh, that the antithesis of of loneliness and isolation, where the dark side of many of us wants to to hide out, um, the solution is something called unity. Yeah, and I'm just gonna—it's black and white. Um, we can call it the fellowship. There's a lot of uh, uh, metaphors and synonyms for unity. Um, a kinship of common suffering. How about that? How about just a, a place where a lot of people who are suffering from the same type of, of un, unexplicable hopelessness that they congregate and they get together once a day or once a week or a couple times a week. And it's called group therapy. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> so your solution, your solution or your friend who's suffering, the solution is group therapy. Yeah. <sighs> Take a deep breath. And I'll tell you what, if you stick around uh, group therapy and you keep an open mind, you might you might acquire something called God consciousness. I did. And I started to hear, I have a pretty vivid imagination, and I started to hear a God of my understanding 
talk to me through the, the testimony and the voice and the messages of other people in the group. Mm. And I started to experience these God shots. I started to experience running into people in the most peculiar places from this group. You know, and, 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 and we, it was, a, it was a, a kinship, man. We just knew, you know. And um, I come to learn later when I finally put my hand in the hand of another man and, and trusted the process and I, cleaned, and I cleaned house in the 12-step method of recovery, pages 64 through 69 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I, um, I come to learn that uh, God expresses himself through the group. I know this sounds kind of biblical. I, you know, I, was, I went to Catholic church. I was dragged to Catholic mass and um, Sunday school. And I do remember one little uh, uh, religious uh, slogan um, where two or more gathered. Yeah, there I am in, in their midst. And I think, uh, I swear, in the, in the big book, those guys plagiarized a lot of stuff out of the Holy Bible. And they said, you know, where two or more are gathered, there's, a, there's an AA meeting. You know, so long as you're not al- so long as you're not alone, you know. And by the way, it doesn't have to be AA. It doesn't have to be any any A. Um, just get on the internet or ask around. Ask somebody to help you find a group. Why don't you write down on a piece of paper what you're really suffering from? All right, you know what you think you're suffering from. How about that? <laughs> and uh, and find that group. What you're suffering from is a deeper underlying uh, condition, but it, it's manifest in, 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 in so many ugly and destructive ways like abusive behavior, extreme behavior, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, compulsive shopping, deviant sex, gambling, you name it, man. Anything that's going to make your life unmanageable. And, and this unmanageability drives us into isolation because people just won't put up with it. Society won't put up with some miscreant, some misfit some self-will run riot, some selfish, self-centered, self-serving, you know, deviant. Uh, society's just not going to put up with it. And you're going to get your feelings hurt if you haven't already. And it's going to drive you into loneliness and isolation. And there you sit. There you sit with your candlelight dinner for one, baby. So there's only one solution. And the solution is to find your kinship of common suffering. Google or, or get on the search engine, whatever. Type in what you're suffering from. Find your group. Find out where they are and make a commitment to that group and go all the way to that group and sit all the way down with that group. And for a moment, try to lose your identity, yeah, right? Try to get out of self for a minute. Try to just kind of lose yourself in the group. Try not to even share. Why don't you just listen for a while and just chill? And um, gosh, if you might have an experience like me, I swear, it, it happened about 90 days for me going into the group. And um, oh man, I was so pissed off and my ass was on fire and I had anger and resentments and you name it. And I, but I went to the meeting every day, <laughs> sometimes loaded, you bet. Something happened though, I stopped getting loaded and going to meetings and I started really sitting still and about 90 days into it, I just broke down and I started to sob in the middle of this meeting. Can you believe that? People are looking over going, oh, man, there's Toby. He's loaded again. Now, and they said, what's wrong with you, Toby? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't think there's anything wrong with me. I think I'm calming down. I think something just left me. Can you believe that? I think, I think something just left me. And that is precisely what happens in recovery. 
Recovery is all about expelling the obsession of self. Recovery is all about expelling the demon of self. And it happens in the group, man. You know, we can't do it alone, but only we alone can do it. Make that commitment to recovery and taking better care of ourselves. But I'm telling you, baby, that it, it happens in the group. Unity. And when we, when we seek com- communion with the, with the group, it's a way of seeking God. Mm, how about that? And when we seek communion with the group, this communion with the group calms us down. Yeah. Calms us down and puts us into a state of a mental and spiritual state where we can pay attention to another suffering soul. Yeah. And then it happens. He or she walks in the door having their identity crisis. And, uh, and you get a chance to go over and put your arm around them and give them a hug and say, you know what? You don't ever have to be alone again. You don't ever have to drink again. You don't ever have to hide out with the needle and the spoon again. You don't ever have to hide out with the crack pipe with your shame. You don't ever have to hide out with your, with your bank account devastated by your gambling or your shopping. Welcome. Welcome to the group. It's, it's an incredible experience. What do you think of that? All right, I'm Toby C. This is our show called In This Moment. And we're going to be back talking about overcoming our identity crisis when we come right back. And we're going to really put the focus on the problem with our identities to begin with so we can move toward the correction of this defective character. If you enjoy our message here on In This Moment with Toby C., then please visit us at itmtoby.com. In a world of overstimulation, you've arrived in a safe and calming space. This is In This Moment with Toby C. on iHub Radio. So when I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. I'll tell you what, you can't move into the answer until you really illuminate the problem. All right, let's, let's talk about with these few minutes remaining before the bottom of the hour, let's really nail the problem with... Um, with, with, with what prevents us from overcoming our identity crisis. We all have an identity crisis. We're all born with it, first of all. We come out of the womb with this identity crisis, this instinctual need for, for love and the instinctual need for security. And we're going to put the bite on anybody in our, in, within grasp to help us solve um, these two instinctual needs. And that alone in itself can be considered an identity crisis. And as we grow older... And we, be, we have self-sufficiency and we can take care of ourselves. We continue to put the bite on others to satisfy our needs for security or for uh, love, don't we? And it turns into defective relationships with others. Yeah. So first of all, the problem with this identity stuff is it's extreme behavior, you know? We just can't be a, a man or a woman in a fellowship, you know, be a, a, you know, a man among men, okay? We got to either... We either got to be at the top of the heap leading the charge or we got to be hiding underneath the the whole pile of chaos and hiding out and uh, not really being helpful in any way. So it's extreme behavior. It's not a very balanced um, association 
with people when we try to try to fan the flames of our identity in front of others. It, it is extreme behavior. Actually, you know, we're just really not that interested in you. So why don't you just get over yourself? How about that? And it's very unattractive to have people constantly rubbing their, their identity crisis in our face. But we all do it, don't we? You know, we can't crumb on, on the person right in front of us, you know, having a meltdown. We've all been there, baby. It's extreme behavior, and it's unattractive. That's the biggest problem. It's a people repellent. I don't know about you, man, but I don't like to be around drama queens too long. I split. I got better things to do. Our identity crisis is about trying to control our feelings sometimes, too. You know, just not accepting where we are or, or who we are and trying to let everybody around us know it. You know what I mean? And that's not cool. Our identity crisis can be a form of intolerance, self-flagellation. Uh, just, it's, just, it's, it's a form of self-destructive self-abuse. And this type of intolerance is part of our identity crisis, and it's a real problem. You know, a crisis is, is, is something where we don't necessarily have a solution yet. You know, we're so mired in the problem. And, uh, and it's really deep down. And, and by the way, you know, the problem with this identity crisis is, is we never really cleaned house. We never did any soul search, and we never really discovered who we were. You know, we always had, we had this distortive set of values, many of us, including Toby here, you know, about what was really success and what would really make us happy and what would really give us a sense of purpose, okay? But they weren't. Money, power, property, and prestige, looks, him or her, really? Is that winning the game? What do they say? It's not a matter of if you win or lose. It's how you play the game, baby. And a lot of us just don't play the game of life right because we're mired in our identity crisis. We've never really uh, been able to develop a clear recognition of who we are and what God wants us to become. And, and there it is. We're kind of in denial of our identity crisis. It's really easy to, to be ignorant of our identity crisis when we feel that the world revolves around us. How about that? Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our problems. So there it is. We think the world revolves around us. So, hey, man, I mean, you can't, you can't be suffering from something you don't know what you're suffering from. It's called denial. You better believe it, man. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of what? Fear. So the biggest problem with our identity crisis is fear. And obviously the next segment when we move into the solution is going to be the antithesis of fear, but it's going to be faith. And all along we have not been faith-based. We've been fear-based, right? And listen, get over it, man. We're all born that way. We all come out of the womb pure survivalists, okay? It's okay. We're just unaware of it, unfortunately. Isn't that terrible? You know... Being completely ignorant of our of our, our selfish, self-centered survival skills and the harm that we inflict upon others. And this harm that we inflict upon others knowingly, unknowingly, patently, latently, this harm, if you have a conscience, causes something called shame. Oh yeah. And the shame gives us another reason to go ahead and act out and drink or use or shop or just escape, right? There it is, man. It's shame. And the shame comes from harmful behavior. And the harmful behavior comes from 
um, quite often from our, our ignorance and our denial of this selfish, self-centered behavior that's mired within our identity crisis. There it is. Hey, by the way, this identity crisis thing, you know, it's a battle cry of, is, I'm different. Remember, the solution last segment was unity. But I'll tell you, man, there's no better excuse to hide out when your battle cry is, I'm different and you don't understand. Can you relate to that? All right, take a deep breath. Toby tried to hit the highlights of the problems with our selfish self-centeredness and our, our identity crisis. Now we can move into the solution when we come back with uh, In This Moment, and I'm your host, Toby C., on Overcoming Our Identity Crisis. Be right back. If you enjoy our message here on In This Moment with Toby C., then please visit us at itmtoby.com. In This Moment, helping to open hearts and minds that allow for the mysterious, powerful, enduring, and proven alternative to destructive behavior. Here is your guide. When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. And today we're talking about making the problem of our identity crisis go away, to have it completely removed. And I got to tell you, we're going to, you know, you, you hear the word alcoholism. Alcoholism is used a little bit loosely. You know, alcoholism. Alcoholism can also be a metaphor for our identity crisis. That person's an alcoholic. He may not even abuse alcohol, may not even drink alcohol, but he acts alcoholically. Why? Because he or she are mired in their identity crisis. And, and here's the deal. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. Here's the best solution. There's many different uh, solutions. There is no wrong way to get sober after all, right? Just a lot of difficult ways to get sober that take a lot of time. The ones that get it pretty quick, that straighten up their act and get over their identity crisis, are those of us who are lucky enough to hit our bottom. We hit our bottom. We become busted, disgusted, and completely untrusted. We're done. We're done. There's nothing to pay attention to anymore. And it's at the bottom that we're given this gift, the gift of desperation, yeah. The gift of desperation where we become as open-minded to conviction and as willing to listen as only the dying can be. Yeah. And it's in the midst of this desperation that, uh, that we open up our minds to a power greater than ourselves. Uh, as God, as he expresses himself through the unity of the group, or sometimes we have a very, very personal experience in, in coming reacquainted with the God of our understanding. We find many of us in the 12-step program that deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God, but he may, be, he may be obscured, he may be blocked off and hidden from our view because we are so wrapped up in our pomp and in our calamity and in our worship of other things, yeah, and other people. Mm -hmm. So, so long as we're busy being distracted and we're marred in our calamity and our pomp and our ego and our life, ah, yeah, then... Um, we just, uh, 
we just don't get it. Yeah. So what happens then um, when God reveals himself to us and he's knocking at the door and we finally let him in? You know how we let him in? Many of us let him in when we clean house, when we really uh, find some kind of a recovery method where we can take a real deep, close look at ourselves. Yeah. There was a uh, there was a there was a folk song back in the 1970s, the early 1970s, and it was called "Put Your Hand in the Hand." Maybe you heard of it. Maybe you haven't. It was a folk song. It was a real churchy song, and um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sing it to you, but I'll tell you what the lyrics were. The lyrics are this: um, "Put your hand in the hand of the man. Use your imagination." Put your hand in the hand of the woman who stilled the waters. Yeah. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the seas. Take a look at yourself and you can look at others differently. Yeah. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. So that's the those are the lyrics of the song, but there it is, you know. Uh, if you and, and I'll tell you who is or I'll tell you who are the people, the men and women who are finally willing to take an honest look at themselves are people who have been given the gift of desperation at the bottom. And if they haven't ended up in the hospital or uh, the morgue or uh, locked up in some cage, um, they're consider yourselves the lucky ones. And God has a plan for you. God didn't put you in your identity crisis down. How many times did you escape those near-death experiences? Boy, if you're anything like me, I don't know, man. Never mind about a cat with nine lives. I got like 29 lives. But I think God had a different plan for me. And I'll bet God has a different plan for you or your loved one. If they're, if, if they're sticking around, if they just won't go down and die or go insane or go away, God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for them. How about that? And, um, and he, God reveals that plans, his plans, when we open ourselves up to him and we try, to, we try to relate ourselves right to him instead of relating ourselves right to us. How about that? Yeah. We acquire something called a God consciousness and we start moving away from something called self-consciousness. Yep. And self-consciousness is one of the uh, key ingredients of our identity crisis. There it is. So if you want to get over your identity crisis, get over your self-consciousness and start acquiring some something called God consciousness. And it happens, you know, at the bottom quite often. Not always. Not always. But we recover. And why do we want to recover? We want to recover from this agitation, this, this really negative vibration. Why? So we can get along better with our fellow man. Why do we want to get along better with our fellow man? I don't know. Maybe it's because we're tired of suffering. I know I did. I, I was tired of suffering in my, my loneliness, in my isolation, and in my bewilderment, and in my self-pity. Oh, yeah. You know, another nice thing that happened for me when I finally was uh, broken down and willing to listen and follow the directions of my sponsor and finally clean house was I was able to uh, open my mind I was able to open my mind to other people. Yeah, remember? Take a look at yourself and you can look at others differently. And when I looked at myself, I was able to open my mind and really look and, and, and witness and appreciate other people. I think it's on page, page 60, 
6, at the very bottom it says, now we're about to look at people from an entirely different angle. Wow. What a journey it was. What a journey. And I'll tell you the nicest part about opening up my mind, it was I was able to open up my heart, and I was able to open up my heart. Love and tolerance of others is our code. I was able to give people a break and open my heart to everybody and not push anybody out of my heart, or at least try not to push anybody out of my heart. And I swear to you, God entered my heart, and he kicked the demon out of my, my house. He expelled the obsession. It was cast right out. He grabbed the rascal by his collar, and he tossed him out on his, on his rear. Boom. And there it is, man. And that's what happens. And by the way, you know, what we really, you know, the, the devil and the demons... And, and, and our own insecurities and fears, man, they're like an ambush predator. You know, we need to be alert and sober. Why? Because the, the demon, the alcoholism, the demon of self, selfishness, self-centeredness prowls around like a, like a predator looking to devour another soul. You know, and I have a, I have a job today. I have a job today to protect, to protect my new identity, my new identity that involves service and selflessness and, and the ability to get along with people and to have a, a balanced and healthy relationship. It's a new identity. It's a new Toby. And you can have a new identity too. But you got you to gotta clean house, man. It's not easy. It's not pretty. Instincts on a rampage, bucket investigation. Our identity crisis certainly comes from instincts. When human beings become a battleground for the instincts, there can be no peace. What do you think about that? Can you relate to that? When human beings become a battleground for the instincts, there can be no peace. There it is. We often find out with our instinctual behaviors for love and security that we, we really mistreat other people who have instincts too. And their instincts may be on rampage. Instincts on rampage, balk at investigation, man. It's not, it's not a pretty sight. You know, a lot of us come into recovery beaten down from our identity crisis. And drugs and alcohol and whatever we were doing to beat our identity and nurse it along didn't help. And sometimes it's not fun. A lot of people split during the fourth step. They just don't really want to take a look at the ugliness of, of who they are and what they're all about. A lot of people, including yours truly, man, I mean, I've, I've, I've bailed on the fourth step. I thought, man, this is a big freaking shame exercise, man. No, it's not a shame exercise, but it is the one, the one exercise where we be, get really rigorously honest and we really take an honest self-survey for the first time. And by the way, it doesn't happen alone, gang. You don't overcome your identity crisis alone. If you're anything like me, man, you're a, you're a great... You're a great uh, BS artist, all right? And it's hard to BS somebody else, especially when you're calmly and objectively looking at your life and the defects and the destruction that your identity crisis created with yourself and others about you. It's no big deal. I mean, it's, 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 it's not pleasant, but you got to do it. And, I, and I'll tell you, the nicest part about doing this four-step inventory stuff and taking a look at these defects is, is we do understand finally the exact nature of our wrongs, the exact nature of our identity crisis that continues to keep us in, in constant conflict with others and with ourselves. 
And you know what? Every single one of us, don't worry about it, we all have our own little unique uh, combination of defects, kind of like our fingerprints, you know? No two combinations of defects are alike. In that sense, we are terminally unique. And uh, nobody can help us discover them except ourselves. And we've got to be able to look at them. And then the beautiful part about it is there's an exercise called the fifth step. And the fifth step is where we take the discovery of, of the defects that cause this identity crisis and we discuss them with another trusted soul. We discuss them with another human being. Why? So we don't keep it to ourselves and, and we're not self-talking and, and talking to ourselves and lying and deceiving ourselves. Self-deception, don't you know? You know, when, when, we, when we earnestly and heartfelt admit our defects, our discovered defects with another human being, it's a confirmation. It's a confirmation that we've been honest with God and finally, finally we've been honest with ourselves. How about that? Can you dig that? We also discover something called the seven deadly sins, man. We become reacquainted. Don't forget, man, this isn't, you know, an ecumenical movement. Very secular, the 12-step program. Remember, we're allowed to find and adopt and conceive of, of a higher power, a God of our own understanding. But we do get reacquainted with uh, these seven human failings, if you will, of pride, lust, greed, anger, sloth, gluttony. I think I missed one in there. Even I'm telling you, pride, pride leads, leads the, accept, the procession, doesn't it? Remember pride. It's all part of our identity crisis. Got to get over the pride. Quit being so proud of yourself. Quit being so proud of your achievements. I had to finally realize that, that all of the good things in life were not really as a direct result of me or other people, but it was an alignment of the planets that only could have been brought about by God himself. And I finally gave credit where credit is due to God. And I thank God for delivering me from the gates of hell and the insanity. And I finally was able to honor my agreement with my Creator. And He keeps me sane and, and, and sober and grounded one day at a time, yeah. What we really have is a daily reprieve from our identity crisis contingent upon the maintenance of our spiritual condition, yeah. All right, I'm Toby C. We're going to be right back with In This Moment with Toby C. In our last segment, we're going to be talking about service and imagination. You're going to love it. Stand by. I'll be right back. Toby C. with In This Moment. If you enjoy our message here on In This Moment with Toby C., then please visit us at itmtoby.com. In This Moment with Toby C. continues now on iHub Radio. All right, I, I always save the best for last. All right, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Do you want to get over your identity crisis? Do you admit that maybe you do have an identity crisis? <laughs> Are you ready? All right, so here's the solution. The solution to getting over your identity crisis is to fit yourself 
and to prepare yourself and to be healthy in mind, body, and spirit in order to do one thing, and it's to be helpful to another person overcoming their identity crisis. Isn't that simple? It's so simple, but it's not easy, is it? See, we have a lifetime of selfish, self-centered behavior. We were born survivalists, remember? We were born survivalists. So don't, don't, don't be too hard on yourself if, if you're selfish and self-centered and you keep hurting people's feelings and keep acting out and experiencing shame. You know, give yourself a break. Just, just give yourself a break. The best, part, the best way to give yourself a break is get into the group. Remember we talked about that in the first segment? Get into the group. Get out of loneliness. Give yourself a break. Get into the zone, man. So when the man coming in the door is all broken down, or the woman is all broken down, that you can be helpful with them getting a break. A lot of people just don't think they can get a break. They think they're in, they're in this endless loop of these dysfunctional relationships and uh, with others and with themselves. But there is a solution. There is a solution to overcoming these dysfunctional relationships with others and with ourselves. There is a solution to overcoming this identity crisis. And it's developing a new relationship with something other than self. It's something, and by the way, quite often we develop these relationships with others as a way of serving the self. It's called codependency, don't you know? See, codependents attempt to use others as their sole source of value, identity, and well-being, and as a way of trying to restore their emotional losses, see? So we know all about that, all right? So don't, don't, uh, don't use that as a disguise. No, the real solution is, is you get into recovery and you clean house and you calm down. Take a deep breath and then you have and you prepare yourself for a joyful experience. And if you haven't gotten the memo yet, here's the memo from Toby and listen carefully. The purpose and the primary function of sponsorship is for the sponsor to prepare the sponsee to become a sponsor someday, someday soon, in order to continue passing and sharing this legacy of suffering and of recovery that's easily passed along from one alcoholic to another or one junkie to another. When you get better, you are going to speak a certain lingo that only somebody from your kinship of common suffering is going to be able to identify with. Ah, Identity. Identify. You're going to be helpful once you calm down and clean your act up and become as healthy in, in, in mind, body, and spirit as, as humanly possible. And for some of that, for some of us, that's a very low bar. <laughs> but just, just try. Just do the best you can. Practice makes perfect, right? Nobody's perfect in recovery. Listen, goody two-shoes, you're not going to be perfect, man. So tell everybody to quit knocking you. You know, we, um, the point is that we, we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Yeah. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen for you once you become a sponsor and you start paying attention to him or her with an open mind and an open heart and good motives. And um, you're going to become a channel. 
God is going to use you as a channel to put the right words in your mouth and to say the right things to this person that are going to make the difference. You're going to speak a lingo that, that doctors and ministers and psychiatrists and therapists and counselors, they don't speak that same lingo. But you do. And this person's going to listen to you. Hmm. You imagine that. Mm -hmm. And this, this attention that you're going to be giving to this person by, by, um, by working with them and, and being helpful to them is going to prepare this person to become a sponsor themselves. Mm -hmm. You're going to see this man or woman that you've been working with all of a sudden start paying attention to people differently. Mm -hmm. And you are going to witness the miracle of recovery right before your eyes. And you are going to watch a man or a woman have this aha moment and... Um, and it's just going to be such a beautiful, beautiful experience for you to know that you made a difference in this person's life. See, life will take on new meaning for this person. You're going to watch people recover and you're going to see them help others. Can you imagine that? You're going to see somebody help another person. You're going to watch selfish self-centeredness disappear or move in the other direction. Can you imagine that? You're going to watch loneliness vanish. You're going to see a fellowship grow up about you. You're going to have a host of friends. And so will your, your sponsees. You're going to be opening up a whole new life for them. And you're going, to, you're going to witness the joy of recovery. You're going to witness... People, people who were meant to die or be put down or locked up or buried, you're going to witness them becoming happily and usefully whole. You're going to see a person develop a whole new sense of purpose. And you're going to be able to transmute joy. And you're going to be able to prepare other people to transmute joy. It's called sponsorship, remember? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that you're going to be a sponsor someday? And this attention that you're going to be giving to other people is going to keep you sober. It's going to keep you grounded and centered. It's going to keep you in the bosom of Abraham. That's what it's going to do. You're going to feel like you've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Your problems will leave you. They won't exist anymore. You're not even going to think about them. Can you imagine that? Yeah. It's because you overcame your identity crisis. That's why it all came about for you. Mm. There you have it, brothers and sisters. This is your friend Toby C. This is our show called In This Moment with Toby C. And, and uh, gosh, I think we really nailed uh, the highlights, the problems, and the, and the solutions with our identity crisis. Yes? Selfishness, self-centeredness. That we think is the root of our problems. Amen. Let's get rid of it today. God bless. Until next time, come back for more of In This Moment. And I'm your host, Toby C. God bless. Take care.
If you enjoy our message here on In This Moment with Toby C., then please visit us at itmtoby.com. 